0: Welcome to the LifeHouse Podcast. Our aim is that together we can love God, love others, as we walk each step with Christ. We hope you find this message practical, encouraging and life-giving. Be blessed. Beautifully in over my head. And how a great way to start the service seeing Yana in over her head through the waters of baptism. Let's give her a hand. Is she back in yet? Something that she didn't, she didn't feel comfortable with, but she stepped out in faith, and in those waters of baptism, she went under, in over her head, and she came out into uh, a representation of new life. And that's what today's about, right? It's uh, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. Uh, what do we say? Uh, he is risen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And, uh, and I want to share a little bit about that today. Um, I want to share about being risen again in Christ, but the uncomfortable truth that we become risen, we come out of these waters of baptism in a sense, but first we have to identify with his death. If we're going to identify with his life, his peace, his joy, his power, we have to be able to identify with his death, his sacrifice, right? So, yeah, I'm going to be sharing a bit about that today. Thank you to Michaela and the team. Didn't quite work out with the... uh, I was just imagining it when I said, a crash over me and the balloons were going to go flying out and... It's like under the waves, you know, but didn't quite work. But I could imagine it, you know, I could imagine it. The first time I was in over my head, I don't know if you guys can think of a time when you've been in over your head. I can remember the first time I nearly drowned. The first time. I nearly drowned about three times. But I remember the first time I nearly drowned, I was in year two and we were at a, uh, a, a like a birthday pool party, like a school, school pool party at someone's house. Kent Sendy, <laughs> Kent if you're out there, I remember your house. I was in the pool and I, at that stage, I didn't know how to swim. Um, and so we got there to this party, and there was a pool there, and, and, um, and like all the kids were, were kind of uh, jumping in. You know, they're running up to the sides, screaming, yelling. You know what pools are like. It's, what is it with, it's just as soon as kids get in the pool, they all have to scream, right? I don't know, it drives me mental. But anyway, so like everyone's screaming, and, and, I'm, and I'm there on the side of the pool, and everyone's jumping in and out of the pool, but I can't swim. But I wanted to be involved and I kind of thought it looked like a heck of a lot of fun. Has people seen that? Like it, when people jump in the water, it looks like fun, right? It's like, yeah. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to do that. But I don't know how to swim, so what I'll do is I'm just going to stand at the edge and I'm just going to jump just a little way. <laughs> you know, so I just jumped a little way uh, and then I kind of, as I plunge down to the bottom... I pushed up with my feet and I grabbed on the side. I thought, yeah, that was, that was great. Yeah, that was good. All right, all right. So then I climbed out and everyone else is screaming around, doing their thing. I'm going to do it again. So I did it again and did it kind of a number. And I started like, getting the hang of this. And I thought, this is amazing. And, and, and so I'd been doing that for a while. And so it kind of, I think the people around me, it kind of looked like, I could swim because I was like acting like I could swim and so I was and so that was great but, but as I started to do this kids were running around playing chasey and they were pushing and shoving each other and I was standing on the edge about to do a, a little leap and, and this kid came running past me and kind of pushed me and I launched out into the middle of the pool. And I, uh, and I, like, you know, tried to do my thing and, and swim like the other kids were, but I didn't know how to swim. I, had, I didn't. And so it just kind of gurgle, gurgle, gurgle to the bottom of the pool. Uh, but when I got to the bottom of the pool, I kind of felt the tiles underneath my feet, and so I pushed up. And, I, and it was enough to get a breath of air. And then down I went again. And I thought, man, this is, I've got to get someone's attention. So I pushed off this time and I, I tried to yell out to the teachers, help, and I went down again. I got up and I could kind of see them over there and they weren't paying any attention. No one could hear me. All the kids were screaming and I was just one of many. Help! Down again, pushing up. After doing this for a while, I started getting tired and I came to the conclusion that no one was going to save me. Um, either I save myself or I'm going to drown in this pool. And so I started to think, well maybe I can, I've just got to get to the side, I've just got to get to the edge. So. I, Next time I sunk to the bottom, I pushed up, but instead of pushing straight up, I started to try to push off to, a, to the side slightly, took another breath, swallowed some more water down, I went. I did this a few times, and I started to feel like I was, you know what, I think I'm actually going to get to the edge, because it looked a bit closer. And I did it more, and I did it more, and I don't know how long I did this for, but I was. I was absolutely exhausted and, I, and finally I was within reach and I held on to that side like you've got no idea. When I could reach that side, I grabbed hold of it and I, and I somehow managed to pull myself up and I spat out some water and I was absolutely spent and I just lied there. And I kind of thought at that point that someone would kind of notice me and go... Oh, Mark, like, you look terrible. Are you okay? But no one did. I just lied there. And it wasn't long after that that they made the call and said the bus was leaving, and I managed to get up onto my feet, get onto the bus, and I went home. And I think think that actually... I think that actually really affected me, that, that moment. Um, I think it kind of cemented something in my life that maybe was already there a little bit. But it definitely kind of set a bit of a, a hardness in me that, and a belief system that no one really is out there for you. No one's going to save you. It's up to you, Mark. You know, you you get yourself into trouble. You got to get yourself out. And I think, I think that Peter from the Bible might have. I think something might have happened to him like that too. Because I just identify with him and his attitudes and some of the things he does and the things he says and, and how difficult it was for him to trust in Jesus. um. I just kind of identify with that, you know. His uh, inability, his, his struggle with being vulnerable and... And, and I, I guess I'm sharing this today because I think it's important. I think that we talk a lot about Resurrection Sunday and about the the, the benefit of, of being raised to life. But I think it's difficult to talk about uh, identifying with his death, being in Christ while he's still under the water. And, and I want to share that today because I think it's important. I, I think... Um, I think that maybe there's others here that have been through things maybe like me and you've felt alone and you've felt and you've believed that you've got to save yourself. And that creates a a distance and a a barrier that gets in the way of a relationship with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I pray for today and this message. It's a... um, it's a difficult one for, for, for us in this room that have gone through times where we didn't think anyone would be there. It's difficult for us to face that. And so, Father, I pray for your presence, your gentleness, your peace, your reality I pray for the walls to come down this morning. And I also pray that this microphone works. Amen. We've been having problems with this one. So I want to share on Peter. Josh um, shared last Friday, for Good Friday, on the Last Supper... And how it related to Judas. And it was a really great message. Jesus washed Judas' feet. He shared his meal with Judas. He loved Judas, even though he knew what was going to happen. And in the same way, one, oh, yep, yeah, it's there. In the same way, he did that for Peter. Peter's struggles were different than Judas's, but I want to unpack that. I want to start with just giving a bit of a history of Peter, where he came from, and then zone in on the Last Supper. Is that... You with me? So we start with this story of Peter. Now, I love these nets. And this, is, this reminds us of, of Peter, right? These nets remind us of where the story began. Jesus walking along the shoreline. Of the, of the lake of Galilee. Galilee? Galilee? Oh, well, got it right. Josh has been there. You've walked there, haven't you? So he's strolled along there and probably still fishermen mending their nets in the same way they've done for thousands of years. And Jesus is there and, and he's, he's already kind of a celebrity at this stage. And people are starting to recognise that he's, he's making miracles. He's, he's teaching some really amazing stuff. He's a man of God. And and he walks along there to see see Peter mending his nets, he's fishing, and he says to Peter, Would you Would you come and follow me? Peter drops everything, gets up. I might have to have a spare mic ready. Leaves it all behind and starts to follow. Can you imagine what that'd be like? Can you imagine? I mean, probably had that happen to you in, in your life. Maybe, maybe you've um the cool kid at school has has kind of like you know doing their thing and said, Look, what, hey, like, why don't you have lunch with me? Would you like to sit next to me? Would you would you come with me? And you're like, wow, what me? Yeah, sure. And and you just And you just follow, you know, someone that you respect, someone you admire, says to you, hey, look, do you want to catch up for lunch? And you're like, heck yes. So this is this situation. Peter's like a normal dude. He's a fisherman. And Jesus says, why don't you follow me? I'm going to make you fishers of men. And he just, he, he, he gets that, you know. So that's the first thing we see. That's our Peter introduction. The next thing we, I want to zone in on is, um, is the lake. So, so Peter's been following Jesus for a little while and, uh, and, and kind of doing his thing. And Jesus says to them, okay, guys, I want you to uh, head across the lake. I'm going to catch up later, right? There's a bit of a storm. They're in the middle of this lake. And they didn't realize that when Jesus said catch up later, that he was going to like walk across the lake without a boat. Okay, so he's just like, Jesus is just cruising on top of the waves, and and they're in this storm, they're looking out, they see kind of this shape, and they think, What it's a ghost. What what is happening? They're freaking out, and then and then Peter thinks, well, hang on, it looks a bit like Jesus. Jesus, is that you? And, And Jesus says, Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, why don't you, you can come out and join me if you want. And, and so Peter's like, heck, okay, yep. And out he goes onto the, onto the, sh- onto the top of the waves and he's, he's cruising out there, you know, probably doing the moonwalk with, uh, like, Michael Jackson. And, and, but then he kind of gets distracted, he starts to fall down and, and Jesus lifts him up. So we see that Peter's very comfortable with this idea of following really comfortable. He's left everything on the shore, follows Jesus. He, he, he jumps out on the, on the surface of the waves to follow Jesus. It's amazing, right? The next thing that's really important in Peter's life is, uh, is, is uh, this conversation you have with Jesus. And Jesus is sitting down with the disciples and he says, so Peter, Who do all the people say I am? Peter says, Well, the crowd is saying that you're a good teacher, that you're a miracle worker, that you're a rabbi. And Jesus says, Well, who do you say I am? And Peter says, Jesus, you're the Messiah. You're God's son. You're the one that the prophets foretold. Jesus says, yeah, you're right, Peter. And and you didn't come up with that in your brain. You didn't just think of that. That's that's a revelation of God. He's spoken that to you. You've grabbed hold of it. You understand, Peter. Peter. So Peter is on this journey of following. He's on this journey of faith where he's stepping out of boats and he's walking on water. And he's, on, and he's come to acknowledge that Jesus is not just a man, but he's, he's the Messiah. And So Peter is really doing well. And he's really comfortable with this, this situation that he's in. But then, in the Last Supper, things start to go wrong. Things start to fall apart. I shared at the start that I um, identify with Peter. And I identify with his good start. And I identify with his crash. When I was a kid, I grew up in church i um, I felt like at a, at a youth camp, Sunday school, I felt like I had a similar thing where where I felt God say to me, "Mark, will you follow me? Will you be my disciple and in my imperfection i I, I, I felt like I did that I felt like i I wasn't just going to church because my parents made me, but because I wanted to. I kind of understood that Jesus was good and that God was good and I had, a, I had a set of faith in that and I was taking my steps as a young person in that. I would read the Bible, I would pray. And I can remember coming to a position in my life like Peter where I, I accepted that Jesus was God, that he wasn't just a cool teacher but he was he was our saviour like he was our lord he was our he was like someone to put faith in that was not just human and so I kind of felt comfortable with that in a similar way that Peter did but then I too had a situation where things fell apart and, I, and I've and i shared about that numerous times but it was when I had anxiety and really the big thing that I struggled with was I didn't... I didn't really know how to cope with a failure. I, I didn't really know how to cope with me not living up to the expectations that I had for myself. I kind of had in my mind the person I thought I should be and I, I, w- I was failing. I wasn't the father I wanted to be. I wasn't the the husband I wanted to be and I couldn't do... I tried so hard and I just couldn't seem to get that and the more it was in my face the more I I just I just really um, I really fell apart and this is kind of what happens to Peter he kind of falls apart So I want to zone in on that, on Peter's falling apart, on him doing so well, and then his struggles. So I want to set the scene. It's the Last Supper. Walter shared a couple of weeks about Palm Sunday and all the people celebrating as Jesus came into the town. And so Jesus had been organising a room, to have supper he'd organise the meal he'd organise the room and, and, so, and, he, and all the disciples got there they were all there together then Jesus started acting weird and he takes off his robe the way he normally dressed like a rabbi like a teacher, like someone who had some credentials. And he starts to act like a servant. He puts a, a towel around his waist, he gets down on his knees and he says, all right, guys, kind of line up. We're going to wash your feet. Can you, can you imagine what that would be like? like? Imagine, I don't know who the most powerful man in the world is joe biden or elon musk or is that how you say his name something like that like one of these big dudes like like, dude. like someone who has everything who, who you you respect you honor you imagine joe biden asking you for dinner right that nat, you know he goes hey like he happens to be in murray bridge he's like what you know come come to my hotel and he's got his entourage and his kind of, you know, guards with their kind of pistols and all the rest of it. And, and he says, you know, come down here. And then, and then he kind of takes his tuxedo off, puts on the uniform at, at you know, the, the Bridgeport, puts on the uniform of the guys that are serving the food, gets down on his knees and starts washing your feet. Like, can you imagine? What a shock. So he goes through the disciples and he's he's washing their feet and he gets to to Peter. Peter, like, he's not having to borrow this. It's like Jesus, like hang on, no, no way, Jesus. I've been following you for. I've seen you bring people back to life. Like I've seen you heal the sick. I've seen you teach the most amazing words that I've never heard someone say. And if you think you're going to wash my feet, Jesus, you are the master. I am the servant. I'm not worth, I'm not worth that. You've got it wrong. I serve you, right? You don't serve me. And he's, he's angry. No way, Jesus. And Jesus says to him, Peter, if you don't let me wash your feet, you can't have any part of me. You can't have any of me. And he said, so, so Peter's like, well, okay. All right, Jesus, if that's the deal, wash me, head, wash me head to toe. I'm all in. Just like that jumping out the boat scene. Once again, what he's comfortable with. Okay, that's what I'm, okay, Jesus, you know what? I'm all in. You wash me head to toe. Jesus says, "Nope, you just need your feet washed. So he lets him. That's the first scene. It rocks Peter. Who is this guy? This is weird, right? A few minutes later, they're eating the food. They're at the table. Their feet are washed. Jesus Jesus does this. Gets the bread. Like they've done a million times. Gets the bread. He's passing it out. And he says this, guys. When you understand... This bread, this is my body. It's broken. It's broken for you. It's broken for you. And every time you eat this bread, I want you to remember me. I want you to remember me. And at the end he says, this this cup, this wine... This is my blood. It's poured out for you. Each time you drink of the cup, I want you to remember me. Remember, my blood was poured out for you. This does not sit well with Peter. This does not sit well with Peter. What? Jesus. Your body broken for me? And then at the end, Jesus says, "Okay, guys, I've got another thing to share. One of you is going to betray me." And Peter's like, "With John? What? What? What's he talking about? One of? Who is it? Who is it, Peter?" And Peter says, uh, "Jesus says it's it's the one who I give this." This piece of food, too. And they're like, oh, it's Judas. It's Judas. I can imagine them thinking, well, yeah, that kind of makes sense, you know, Judas. He, we kind of thought he was a sketchy fella a bit, you know. We some money went missing, and we kind of he just didn't seem to be kind of the same as all of us. So that's okay, yep, all right, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. But then Jesus drops a bombshell. Well, guys, um, it's not just Judas that's going to betray me. It's all of you. It's all of you. What? And we see, we see Peter really, really arc up at this. and he says, Jesus, I'll never, I'll never betray you. I'll never deny you. I couldn't, I'd I prefer to die. See, Jesus, w- once again, you're getting, you're getting the script wrong. You're the master. i will down for you. You, you don't, Yeah, Jesus, you're getting it wrong. You're the master, I'm the servant. I laid down my life for you. I'd prefer to die than deny you. And it seems that it seems that Peter was kind of happy with Jesus washing everyone's else's feet. But it, he found it really hard to accept it for himself. It seems that Peter was really happy with accepting that everyone else was going to deny Jesus. But found it really hard to accept that he would. And in the same way, I think Peter found it really probably not so hard to accept that, that Jesus would, would die for someone like Judas... But to accept that he would die for him was tough. I think Peter was a lot more comfortable to hang on to the edge of the pool. I think he'd come to a place where he was happy to and comfortable to follow, but not so comfortable to be rescued not so comfortable to accept Jesus dying for him. And so then Jesus is arrested. They're in the Garden of Gethsemane. And and they come for Jesus. And even though Jesus had told Peter that it was going to happen, even though he'd explained what it was for, Peter was going to go out in a blaze of glory. Like there's no way he was going to let Jesus be, be captured and died and him still alive. And so he pulls out his sword and he starts slashing away, cutting ears off. And Jesus says, says to him, No, Peter. Do you think, do you think for one second that I'm not going to drink this cup the Father has for me? What are you doing? This is what is meant to happen. This is how it has to happen. Put away your sword. Jesus was taken away in the night. As a family, last Friday, we watched the passion of the Christ. And, and it was shocking to, to, re, to, to relive what happened. That, that as he was taken off into the night, he was beaten and he was whipped. And he had a crown of thorns bashed over his head. And he was judged and he was hung on a cross and he had nails pushed through his hands and he hung there and he died. But he didn't stay dead. He was put in a tomb and on the Sunday he started to breathe again. And I can just imagine him lying there and maybe his, like, little finger started to twitch, you know, as, the, as God breathed life back in him. And his skin started to knit back together where it was ripped apart. And the holes in his hands, they stopped bleeding. And they scarified and And he started to breathe and he sat up and he walked out of that tomb. And he proved that he was right and everyone else was wrong. proved that his body was broken for a purpose and that the same life and light that brought him into life could be placed on a believer if we were to identify with his sacrifice and his death and that the words he spoke weren't just weren't just words that came out of his mouth and then fell on the ground but they were eternal and they meant something a few years ago i um i got addicted to gaming gaming like xbox right Who here plays Xbox? For those of you who uh, don't, just let me explain a few things. Xbox is amazing. So I I first started because um, I thought to myself, you know, Drew, my son, he loved it. And I I wanted to do stuff with him that he would enjoy, right? And so I thought, yep, okay, so we got two Xboxes, one in one room and one in another. Who thinks that's weird? (laughs) And so he would so we he would be in the lounge room kind of playing with a headset on, and I'm in the spare room with my headset on. We're talking to each other and we're like doing co op games, right? So we're like cooperating to kind of like create a team to, to kind of do these games. It's amazing, it's so much fun. But I got addicted. And so, you know, I'd be like, Yeah, Drew, okay, yep, yeah, great game, you go to bed and I'd stay on. And I would play and play. Like I'm I'm not even joking about this, like it was a serious problem. Like I would stay up to like two o'clock every night. And then I'd get up the next day and try to go to work. Like it was like so bad. Like I loved this game called Arc Survival Evolved and it was so flippin' amazing. Like, you just, you, the game never stops, so you just got to keep playing, right? Because it's, as soon as you're offline, you know, all the other guys that are online, they take your stuff and they, they kill your dinosaurs and uh, smash your house. So you got to... Yeah, it's amazing, right? Oh, man, I'm thinking I want to get addicted again. Okay, no, Mark. Anyway, what, what I discovered while at my little stint in addiction was that uh, game developers are really smart. They spend millions of dollars to work out what makes us humans want to play, right? Now, if a game's too hard and you can't beat it, you're not interested, right? It's like, why would you want to play, right? But at the same time, if a game's too easy... You know, maybe there's a character in the game that does everything for you, and you don't have to actually go through the hard yards and like die a million times. You don't want to play that either. It's got to be. They've worked out there's there's an equation around how hard it has to be so that people it has to be hard enough that you feel like you're winning, but that it's not too easy. They don't have to do this. Like, they don't have to let us win. Game developers could make it so hard that you just couldn't win. But, but us humans think, well, there's no fun in that. Uh, it doesn't do anything for us. We want to feel like we're doing well. And we don't want to feel like we've been gifted something. We don't want to feel like you just, it's just placed in your lap like a present. That's not the same as real life. That's why Christianity is so hard. It's so difficult to grasp, right? Because the reality of this world is that it's not Xbox. And the reality is that no matter how hard we try, we're not perfect. We can get up every day and we can grit our teeth and we can try to play a perfect game. We can't progress. We don't get there. And so most of us just pretend that we don't notice that. But if we think about it, if we really think about that, it's utterly depressing. It's heartbreaking, right? To think that eternity is out of our grasp, that we can't win. We can't win. We can never win. But Jesus, he comes to earth and he plays the perfect game for us. Right? He plays it for us. And that's great and that's fine. But that's also really difficult for humans. One thing to admit that we can't do it, but the other thing is to accept someone else doing it for us. Like if you're if you're a game developer, you'd never invest in that plot. So people hate it. We hate it. We don't want to admit that we can't. We don't want to admit that we can receive it. So this is this is the two this is the big thing. There's there's two parts to faith. There's the part of the follow me faith. The, the part of faith that says, I believe in you, Jesus. I believe you're good, I believe you're God, I believe you're the Messiah, I believe you're the one that everyone was talking about, and I believe that that you're God, right? But the other part of faith is to believe that we are not. To believe that we're not. You know, humans hate two things one that's too hard, one, one thing that's too hard, and one thing that's too easy. And the two paths to faith is believing that someone else won't fail you, trusting in Jesus, but letting go of trusting yourself. And Peter found it really easy to put his faith in Jesus and and follow him, but he found it really hard to let go of faith in himself. Matthew 16, 21 says this. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to the disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up the cross, and follow me. So there's two sides to faith. One side is follow me. The other side is deny yourself. Peter struggled with failure. I'll never deny you, Jesus. I struggled with failure. And if we're to be raised with Christ, we have to accept the cup like Jesus accepted. It's not so much about what he did on the cross, but what he didn't do. some people here this morning might misunderstand me they might think that i'm saying that everything that you failed at everything in life that you're a failure and i and i'm i'm not trying to say that i'm trying to say that you've only failed at everything that matters everything that's eternal We put too much faith in ourselves. Judas, he never truly followed Jesus. He got the first one wrong. He didn't know how to put his faith in Jesus. Peter understood how to put his faith in Jesus, but he didn't know how to let go of faith in himself. I'm going to finish with this last illustration. A few, um, a few weeks ago, we went to the uh, Woodhouse Scout Challenge. And you go up this hill and, and you try all these different things. And at the end, there's a, a, a river, like a creek, and it's got four ropes that drop down over it. And I thought, you know what, I reckon I can do this. I reckon I can swing from rope to rope and get across without falling in. And Holly said, oh, no. You don't have spare clothes. And, you know, it's it's a long way home and it's not that hot. And it's gonna be, it's it's gonna be bad, right? But I thought to myself, you know what? I kind of think I could, I was about 51, 52% sure I could do it. And I thought, if I could do it, it's going to be great. If I don't do it, it's going to be a great sermon illustration. <laughs> you know, it's going to be funny as. But anyway, so I grab onto the first rope. And I kind of swing out. And then as I was swinging out over this creek, I realised that at the pinnacle point, you need to kind of let go of One hand and grab onto the other one. And that's okay, that's, that's okay, but then you've got to let go of the other hand and let, grab onto the other one. let stand. Faith is two parts. It's grabbing onto Jesus, but it's letting go of faith in yourself. When I was in that swimming pool, I was grabbing onto the side of that with with all my strength and I got it in my head that I could save myself. And so I found it really hard to face my failure because what does that mean for me? It means I was at the bottom of a pool. But as I walked that journey and as I trusted God in my failure, I realized that he wouldn't let me down. And as I acknowledged that I couldn't save myself, but I needed to put both hands on the rope of Jesus Christ, that he would lift me up. In a sense, he was the tiles of the pool beneath my feet. Let's pray. Father, I just pray this Easter that as we recognize Jesus, as we see him in his glory, that like Peter said in the Last Supper, I'll never deny you, that we would realize that we are deniers, we are failures. We are broken. We can't save ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us this week. If you wish to connect with us, please send an email to info at or come and see us at 170 Adelaide Road, Murray Bridge. And remember, the door is always open for you at LifeHouse. God's house, our home.